everybody, welcome to the show. This is Mark, and I got Joe sitting here, and our guest today, Olive Gamble. And I just wanted to thank her for taking some time to talk to us today. She was instrumental in a lot of the Enchanted Forest, which I know is a, a popular topic right now with Christmas coming up, so we wanted to talk a little bit about that. Olive, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Well, as you know, we had chatted on the phone, and Vincent Astor called me, and he he didn't ask me, he told me, he said, I want you to contact this friend of mine. I said, she said, she's got a lot to offer and she knows a lot of cool things. And, and Vince and I have been <laughs> friends a long time. And he's, he's done, a, he and I've done a lot of history together. So usually when Vincent tells me that this somebody I need to talk to, then you're the person we need to talk to. And so tell me just a little bit about your growing up in Memphis. And I know you had some cool stories. Well, I grew up on the corners of of the corner of Linden and Rember. Initially, in 1980, Linden, which is right next door to Idlewild School, I was the fourth generation to go to Idlewild. My grand uh, my grandmother and my mother, and then me. No, yeah, that's third 30, generation. Yeah. Third generation. <laughs> and then my grandmother and her sisters lived in the house diagonally across at 1993 Linden. So I grew up in those two houses between Army posts. Dad was an Army chaplain for 20 years. Wow. So I, I went, we went wherever he was sent. Everywhere from uh, Fort, Fort Benning, Fort Bragg, Fort Campbell, Munich, Darmstadt, and Fort Riley, Kansas. Wow. And that was our last post. And when he retired, we came home and he uh, taught English uh, at Old Miss Union and Christian Brothers, and Mom got her master's in curriculum, and was uh, principal at Grace St. Luke's, and then taught Bible at Briarcrest. So, and then I went to Memphis State and got a degree in graphic design. So I was a graphic artist. And my first job out of college was down at the educational television station in Jackson, Mississippi. And I came back from there and had always wanted to go into fashion. So I interviewed with George Hedinger at Goldsmiths at $1.60 an hour. <laughs> wow. In 1972. And on April the 10th, I think it was, I started work at Goldsmiths. And I was at the downtown store for, I think, four or five years. And then I went to the Raleigh store and was there and uh, ruptured a disc while I was there, moving furniture. And then after I got came back from that, I was recuperating and they put me in the downtown shop. And that was when I started costuming the Enchanted Forest. When exactly did uh, the Enchanted Forest begin? I believe it was in the 1950s. I think George Edinger was the one who started it. And his brother, Royal Edinger, was the one who worked on all the motors on the little mechanical figures mm -hmm. and kept those things going. <laughs> Lord, I don't know how he did it, but he did it. So the, some of the animals, uh, the ones we used for the, the like the animal disco one year, I think went back to the 1940s or 50s, and then they had a set of elves 
There was a female elf that sewed and then a male elf that ran a lathe. <laughs> and they were fascinating little things. Yeah. But you you try cutting a little shirt to big. <laughs> I have fond memories of going to Goldsmiths as a little kid uh, in the 50s. My grandmother would drive down there and we'd park in the parking garage mm -hmm. on the west side of front and then we'd go in the basement and we'd... Go down went, the tunnel. It, it went down the tunnel and that's where Barziza brothers had all of their chocolate-covered crickets and snails and all that thing. It and it later gave, became the drug area. It gave me the willies. I got the willies right. going through there, but I, but I can remember good experiences at, at Goldsmiths. Now, you came you know, out of that tunnel and up at the top was where you turned right into the Enchanted Forest, right? Yeah. And we had talked a little bit about the Santa Claus, as most people are not aware, but I know that in talking to the people at Coca-Cola and, and also with other folks, uh, that they wanted firefighters uh, to be Santa Clauses. And I think that the reason that was is because they thought that firefighters would be able to deal with the Any kids that were, yeah. were scared. Tell us about your experience with, the, both your experiences well, with the firefighters. Well, I didn't have a lot of face-to-face of -face experience with them. They were very nice men. They were all volunteers. But Lord, I, I had, they must have had the patience Job because I know we had to launder more than one Santa suit that had had a, a very wet lap from a, a baby that just couldn't quite hold it yeah. <laughs> and would pee on his lap. <laughs> and then we had some firefighters that took their off time very seriously and brought their beers with them. And I went, the one, one or two times that I was in charge, which wasn't often, uh, I had to ask them to please leave it up in the dressing room because of the children. Yeah. But, uh, I frown on the beer with the kids. That's, that doesn't go over too well with mamas. He's I've known. Having, I've he's known, having a, a Santa Claus that smells like beer. I've known two guys that were Santa Clauses. I've actually known about three, but I, I know for a fact that, that Captain Beatty, who had been uh, over over him. the fire, um, he was him. over personnel for the fire department. When I got on the fire department in '74, he was over personnel, and he had been a Santa Claus, and he had his own padding. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. In fact, I think most, most, most of, of them had their own thing. I think there was there was one guy that was like, you know, skinny, 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 and boy, we had the pants too out of him. So we had we had fat suits. What did it take to maintain all of those costumes? The costumes uh, were not. It depended on what the designer, who was Bob Wilson, decided to do. And the vignettes would change every couple of years. We would keep one or two that would be, remain the same, and then we'd change another one. Um, once they were taken down, they were stored and wrapped in plastic bags, and then we'd just freshen them up, and uh, Royal would work on the motors to make sure they were running properly and I'd just have to, you know, tack them here and there. But when he came up with a new idea, that was the real challenge. Well, one year we did the Animal Disco 
which was the old, old animal figures. And we had uh, a cat disco singer that I did in spandex and sequins. We had a skunk Mater D, and I went down to Schwab's and got one of those celluloid collars that stands up like this, and that's what I put on the Mater D. We had a, a lion that was the drummer, you know, with all the mane of hair. It, it was real fun. It was, I did put him in orange satin, I think. But uh, Bob had liked to do a lot of... Uh, movie-related things. We did Alice in Wonderland, we did Sleeping Beauty, we did Peter Pan, we did The Horse of a Different Color, we did uh, The Snow Queen, we did a Victorian uh, choo-choo train. That was fun. But the, I think one, one of the biggest, the two of the biggest challenges were the the uh, evil witch in Snow White and Sleeping Beauty because he wanted the dress to look like it was on fire. Oh, wow. And I had to use uh, what's called palettes, they're little one-inch circles that are metallic um, colors in different uh, bright colors. And I did that, I stowed them on so that it looked like the dress had flames licking up the, the dress. And then the other real challenge was the Alice in Wonderland, the uh, hookah-smoking caterpillar. Oh, wow. <laughs> and we cool. had one figure <clears throat> whose feet moved in and out, and then whose one arm would move. So we, we attached that to a hookah. But I would have to make tubes of fabric and stuffed them and then I'd turn the motor on and let it go out and I'd stitch it over there and then I'd let the arm come back in and I'd stitch it over here but you couldn't let let the motors bind or it would wear them out hmm. but those were my real challenges and that and the snow queen because he did her in the pool and surrounded her with snowflakes and glittery stuff and we used a mannequin that was kind of in bad shape. <laughs> and trying to find pearlescent paint back in the early 80s was almost impossible. Mm. I ended up going to an auto body shop to find pearlescent paint. Mm. So it was, you know, it was different things for different uh Costumes. Yeah, you were creating things from scratch because there was no place to go buy any of this. Yeah. You had to do every bit of it by hand. Oh, I, I was making weekly <coughs> trips to Hancock's. <coughs> yeah. In addition to all the stuff that we had. Yeah. Were there more than one exhibit for some reason, and we were talking about this coming down here, we had thought that there had been a, an enchanted forest at Crosstown or at Southbrook? The, the Enchanted Forest itself was only downtown. Okay. They did take some of the retired figures and put them out at Oak Court. Oak Court, okay. Yeah, we can. There, there weren't many memory. of them that they took out there. They, the, yeah. the draw was to get people downtown and get them into the Enchanted Forest, not just to shop in the store, mm -hmm. but to also have their picture made with Santa. 
which you know back then I think the pictures were like two, three, four dollars or less. <clears throat> right. But still, you do a volume business. Sure, and they're coming to you. Yep. And they're they're all, that's a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah, I remember uh, we talked about it on the phone before we came over about the smell as you were going down that hallway because you the roasting of the. I guess the cashews and the pecans and things oh, yeah. were something on the other end of that, so you can start to smell that <laughs> yeah. as you walk your way through the enchanted forest. Uh, yeah, when I, when I worked on it, it the, bake, the bakery was right there. <clears throat> yes, it yes. would grab. And it was like, <clears throat> yeah, oh, where was that? Yes. Oh yeah, but what a lot of people don't know is that 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 tunnel from when you came under uh, Front Street, Front Street, Front Street right. that went back. During the off season, they stored linens and merchandise in that tunnel, and that tunnel leaked from Front Street, and it also was known as the Mosquito Hatchery <laughs> because, it because we would have to go through there every time it rained and mop up the water and put down some mosquito repellent. Mm -hmm. <laughs> We had one year that it we didn't think we were going to be able to open because the fire marshal wouldn't pass it. We had to have the entire place retreated. They, I think they had put in new uh, greenery in the ceiling because mm -hmm. the greenery that had been up there had been up there like about 30-something years. So they replaced it and they did not fireproof it. Oh. So we had to go through and re-fireproof everything. Yeah, that was a no-no. That mean old fire marshal. <laughs> well, yeah. it was it was really funny because a, a lot the kids' reaction would vary. You know, with some of them were just oh, eyes big as saucers and mouths open, and just totally awed, and others were screaming. Yeah, yeah, so foreign to them. And almost all of them wanted to reach out and touch the little figures. And Bob Wilson at one time jokingly said that we ought to run about a two-volt current through the metal rail that was in front of them to keep the kids from reaching over. But we, we had a lot of fun with it. We would do our regular uh, display work, merchandising work. We did the backgrounds, props, tools, all of that sort of stuff for all the stores. So that's what we did from 8.30 to 5.15. Then after that, like 5.30, 6 o'clock, Barry Hartzog, Marlene Tony, Maureen, Maureen Tony, Jackman White. <laughs> that's what she is now. Yeah. Bob Wilson and I, and you, it's sometimes one or two other people. Uh, and then during working hours, some of the other people would have little, have other projects that, the, you know, if he wanted something built, like mm -hmm. the, the Victorian train. Right. But we would work until two o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. How long did it take to, to get ready each year? Exclusive of all the buying that Barry and Maureen did, um, usually from August to October. Two, three well, months. Yeah. That's a lot of work. There's a lot of overtime. Yeah. I was going to say, and added on to your regular day job, too. This was. That was, <laughs> that was the only one of the few really good things about it was that 
I did make a lot of overtime. I paid off a lot of bills, including my Goldsmiths bill. <laughs> yeah. Let me ask you a question. Uh, I came across an article in Commercial Appeal. <clears throat> December the 1st, 1955, it said that inside Goldsmiths they had a train. Have you ever heard of anything mm -hmm. like that? They had an actual train, had a track. Mm -hmm. Ran the train was and it Mr. Like William a, Bell was responsible for making sure that that thing stayed on its track, and that it ran, and that nothing happened to it. He's uh, when I started there in '72. He was must have been in his sixties, fifties or sixties, and he worked right up to retirement, and he was. Uh, Black man, his son worked there for a while, and I think a nephew, but he was the nicest man. He's the one that taught me how to change mannequin. Do you remember there was a window above where you came into the, from the parking garage, you started down into the tunnel, and there was a big window up a, a, mm -hmm. over your head? Yeah, above you, yeah. That's the first window I ever changed. <laughs> and I had to change a mannequin up there. Wow. Yeah. Wow, I do remember that window. And he was down there. Okay, now, twist that about a quarter turn. <laughs> Mr. Wow. Bell, it's not moving. What do I do? <laughs> Where did the train run? Did it run through the store, or was it a... Um... I, I don't remember that. Yeah. Um, I think that was, that was, quote, unquote, before my time. Right. Well, it was... Yeah. It was but in, I, I do it remember it was Mr. In Bell telling me that, that he was the one that was responsible for that. Yes. I remember when I was about seven, we were home on leave and we'd gone downtown to shop. And my brother would have been five. And we were standing at that corner window at Gayoso and Maine. And I was looking at this window and there was a tree in there with presents and toys and all of this. And there was a train running around and around and around and around that Christmas tree. Mm -hmm. And Eddie said, let's go inside, I'm cold. <laughs> and I said, shut up, I wanna look at this. <laughs> so I guess that's where it started. Yeah. Wow. When I was about seven years old. Wow. Do you have any personal experiences about fun things that went on, not pertaining to this, but working at Goldsmiths. Oh, Lordy. <laughs> <laughs> we did a lot of strange things over the years. Uh, I think probably for me, one of the biggest challenges was the time that we did a, a junior evening wear shop out at Oak Court. <laughs> and they wanted to do a man in the moon to hang behind the mannequin. Yeah. And I said, they said, can you do such and such? And I said, well, I can try. And we cut it out of a foam core, several layers of foam core so that it was rigid. Mm -hmm. And then I did what's called trapunto which is like quilting, but you do it from the back. You quilt, and then you stuff it from the back. Mm. And I did a, a lunar, a loon-shaped yeah. uh, man in the moon <laughs> out of white satin. Oh, wow. 
wonder if we can find pictures of that. That, anyway. that was one of the bigger challenges. The other one was opening new stores. That was always a challenge because you never knew what you were going to be called on to do. Mm. I was primarily re responsible at that time by then when we opened Hickory Ridge and Jackson. I think those were the only two that we opened after I got there. Um, I did linens, housewares. I would do women's stuff. I would do uh, jewelry. I would do cosmetics. Yeah, a little bit of men's, men's wear. Yeah, I got to where I could really make a man's shirt fit really good. <laughs> and, and, and so, what have you done since you have retired? When did you retire? And when I left Goldsmiths in '87, I freelanced did merchandising and display and I did sign painting I did uh, merchandising and display for Kitty Kyle for Joseph's Shoes for Hickory Ridge Mall uh, Brooks Museum uh, somebody called one time and asked me if if they were having a Toulouse-Lautrec exhibit at uh, the Dixon and they wanted to know if I could do a miniature Toulouse, stuffed Toulouse-Lautrec <laughs> to sit in a car. Yeah. And I said, give me a picture. Yeah. And I did. Yeah. You know, at that time, I didn't know how to price my work. And I would have probably starved to death if I'd have kept it much longer. But in November of 93, my house in Midtown, I had bought the old family home place at 1993 Linden, burned. And my mother was sitting there and she said, well, I hadn't got anything to offer you except land. So she gave me nine acres here. And I came out here and uh, it was a good thing I did because two years later she had to have a pacemaker and I became, at the end of the, her life, I became her caregiver. But she was a, had an absolute gift for rooting cuttings and getting seeds to start. Mm -hmm. And I used the contacts I had with the florists that I had done different things for and I started selling cut flowers and herbs to local florists. And that's what I did until 2010. Yeah. And that's when I retired. That was also about the time that I started really having trouble with my arthritis. So. All the years of using your hands and all of that probably. My, more, more my back and the walking. Yeah. My back and my hips and my knees were just giving out. Right. There are only so many miles you can run a tiller and That's true. ride a lawnmower and carry five-gallon buckets of water and bags of fertilizer and bags of dirt and flats of plants and set up at craft fairs and, and flea markets. It takes it out of you. Yeah, only so many miles. But I, I wouldn't have traded it for anything. Yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed it. What prompted you guys to want to climb in Mayor Crump's or Ed Crump's trees? Well, <laughs> we lived at 1993 Linden, 
Well, actually, right then we lived at 1980 Linden, and there was a house across the street from us that was owned by Revy Cook, and another house that was my brother's best friend, Timmy Calhoun. And his house backed up to Mr. Crump's back acreage there at the corner of Peabody and Rember. And T Timmy and Eddie and I would go up and climb in those trees. They were most wonderful climbing trees. There were several big old pines with huge branches that went right down to the ground. And we would go climbing in those trees and Mr. Crump would send his gardener out and say, Mr. Crump said, get out of his trees. <laughs> and we'd go running, laughing every step. Well, we enjoyed it. We, we had a lot of fun growing up in Memphis. Yeah. Is there anything that you can think of that we haven't talked about that you would like to... Or anything really cool secrets or anything that you... <laughs> cool secrets? Yeah. Barry Hartzell used to give the most wonderful parties. Okay. <laughs> he, would, he would come up with these weird ideas like, come as your favorite fantasy. <laughs> and my fantasy had always been to live someplace where I didn't have to wear shoes <laughs> and not a whole lot of clothes. So yeah. I found I had some beautiful fabric yeah. and I wrapped it around me and went barefooted and with a flower behind my ear. <laughs> and that was it. That was my costume. Somebody else had always wanted to be a French maid. And she made a French maid costume that would have sent a lot of guys drooling. <laughs> Just all different sorts of yeah. things. He's, he was a great man. Both of them were good people to work for. Yeah. George Hedinger was a hard taskmaster, but Barry was my friend, but he was also, he had wonderful ideas. Just absolutely fantastic ideas. Mm -hmm. And of course, Bob Wilson was a genius. I, I can't say enough good things about him. And there were other people that I worked with that were just so gifted. Uh, you know, my gift just happened to be sewing. Yeah. So that was what I did. Wow. I made, there, there were lots of times that I made 30, 40, 50, 60 round tablecloths for the different stores because they went through a thing where they had uh, item tables. Mm -hmm. And all of those had to have khaki tablecloths. And that's a lot of cutting. And a lot of sewing. <laughs> Very much appreciate all of your memories and, and for letting well, us spend some time. I'm glad I was able to tell you some things. There, yeah. you'll, you would probably get a different perspective from a lot of other people that yeah. worked on it. But uh, well, I'm going to say it was, it was an interesting right. time, and it was an in, an interesting job. Yeah, I can only imagine. Well, we do appreciate you being on the show. Thank you for spending time with us and uh, all you did for Goldsmiths and all those kids remember all those things that you did out there because well, we that, all have that those memories. That was the whole point of it. I remember uh, my nephew, they moved down to Orlando and the first time they took him to Disney World or one of the places, he saw the small world and he looked at it and he said, Audie must have costumed this. <laughs> and boy, did that make me feel good. I was going to say, that's pretty high praise. <laughs> I wish I made the Disney salaries. Well, yes, there's that. <laughs>
I want to thank Olive Gamble again for being on our show. We appreciate her sharing all her memories of Goldsmiths and the Enchanted Forest. Special memories for all the kids in Memphis, I'm sure. Probably brings back a lot of those. If you get a chance, go out and like us on Facebook. Go out and subscribe where you get your podcasts, all the different locations, and we'll see you again next year. Thanks. Thanks.